originally from out here, though, right? No, I'm originally from North Carolina. Oh, okay. So yeah. we're all from the East Coast, then. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay. We all transplants. Ain't nobody yeah. from California. The people from California crazy. Don't move. Yeah. You know, that's true. Right. I, I used to just be, like, light-footed about it, but they, they all a little too damn eccentric. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it's like on, too much sun. Speaking of that, well, welcome to the Movie Bugle Podcast, where we are recording this from the West Coast. <laughs> My name is Justin, and I am the host of this podcast show. So, on this particular episode, I've invited some very, very special friends of mine to talk about the wonderful, the amazing TV show Pose. Um, I put on my Instagram page not too long ago that I wanted to talk about the show because it is groundbreaking in a lot of different ways, and I wanted to just celebrate it. We are in a celebratory month of Pride, and I wanted to just talk about it. So on the show with me to my right, I have Miss Ashley. How you doing, Ashley? Hello, hello. Across from me, I have Mr. J Music. How you hello. doing? Hello, I'm doing good. And on my left, I have Miss Iman. Hello. Thank y'all for coming on the show with me. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, we're going to have fun. This is going to be a good one. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. So um, before we get into pretty much Pose as an entirety, um, the reason why I I asked these particular individuals to come on here is because I wanted to invite those who are a part of the community one way or another and also who are also black. Um, I feel like this show was speaking to us as individuals it spoke to everyone, but it was our story one way or another, and I wanted us to talk about it. I didn't want to just bring any any person on here, and I feel like we can, you know, have, you know, that type of conversation and to be more authentic. So, um, Pose. Pose was three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it was created by Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy has given us wonderful shows like Glee, yes. and he's also given us Nip Tuck. Um, the OJ versus uh, People versus OJ Simpson. He's given us Feud. He's given us the New Normal. Um, he's given us um, American Horror Stories. He's given he's given us so many different things. A so, lot of good ones. A lot of good ones. So uh, he also said this is like a passion project for him, and he loved it, and we all loved it too. Okay. We just we want to talk about it. So this is a heavy spoiler. Season three has officially wrapped. So if you have not watched season three, make sure you have finished up because we're going to talk about from season one all the way on up. So make sure y'all have definitely watched it. So before we get into the nitty gritty, let's talk about what pose means to each person around this table. Who would like to go first? Mm. Ashley, you go first. Okay. I will say for me, um, pose was very eye opening. I feel like I learned a lot of things that maybe I thought that I knew that I didn't really know or things that I didn't have any idea about that I learned about just the things that our community has had to go through to get to where we are now. I feel like it's given me a much more, a way bigger appreciation for the fact that I can live the life that I want to live today. Right. Um, and that's a big part because of people um, sim- people that were per- portrayed in the show right um, and so that 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 was a big that was big for me what about you Jay I would say the show is actually a little bit more important than I would originally have liked to have let on mm-hmm. I would have thought that when I originally started watching the show it was very much so oh it's the commercialization of ballroom and all these other things but for me personally it's it's transformed into something that has truly been educational for people who are not a part of our community. Mm-hmm who would just go see it because it's mainstream, but have now also taken a piece of our community into their homes. 
they would have never seen or heard beforehand. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's deeply important. And I can't say that I've seen any television show, series, read any book that covers that period, HIV, AIDS, and the trans community that has not left me feeling empty, void, and almost ashamed of myself. Whereas this one made me feel so much more uplifted, so much more proud of how the narrative shifts and changes. So, yeah, big shit. I can feel that. What about you, Iman? Wow. No, how what he just said was exactly what I was going to say. No, but um, <laughs> uh, no, it's I don't know. I loved it because I know I wanted. I've always loved and wanted to be a part of like ballroom and stuff like that. And I had already had a pretty good idea about it, but to um you know pretty much just being able to watch it and to see even through all of those trials and tribulations like you said it still comes out beautiful i don't know it just it makes you feel good inside mm-hmm. that's what the show did for me i think pose really humanized uh transsexual people mm-hmm. um i know for me just growing up especially in the environment that i did um we always looked at trans individuals as weird um confusing didn't really understand them called them names and i think that for me like i never really did but i also was a part of the problem because i never stood up for them right where now like one thing that i heard is you're you're a true ally when you defend someone when they're not in the room mm-hmm. and i think that that's a big thing because we can all be friends with each other in person but what do you how do you act mm-hmm. when that person's not in the room right. and how do you act when that person's not in the room when they really don't have nothing to really do with you um, so a real ally is someone who actually says, hey, no, that's not right. That's not, let's not talk about that person. You don't know their struggle. And and I'm not talking about the key, key, key stuff, but I'm talking about real life detrimental, you know, when you're really talking about someone. And I think because Pose does deal with a lot of, you know, the main cast is trans. And um, it just humanized. And I think going back to what you were saying, Jay, is a lot of other shows that deal with those types of subject matters, you leave like empty at the end where this one it celebrated you know those stories and it celebrated those individuals i would say for me personally um i'm not really big into drag um and this, there's nothing there's nothing against it or anything like that it's just i'm not really big into it so when i saw the commercials for pose i thought it was like a reality show mm. um so i didn't really get into it until a friend of mine who was actually cis straight and he was like, you need to watch it, you need to watch it. And I was like, really? Like, okay. He was like, no, it's like one of the best shows ever. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, he kept bringing it up. And within the first five minutes, I was like, yep, this show's everything. Um, but I think because it humanized stories. And I think the the biggest word that I can say from it, it just is humanized. Mm-hmm. It made those situations so real. Um, and I think, especially because it has the biggest, like, female-led trans black mm-hmm. cast, how do you guys feel about that importance and significance? Because we all know those characters and those actresses now, but they're they set their stage in Hollywood now. So like Iman, like how do you feel about like Hollywood going forward, like having to embrace like the trans community and like those stories now? Um, honestly, it's about time. Uh, they were already you know taking bits and pieces from what they already you know, would look around and see and to actually give the recognition that they they all deserve right now, that's just groundbreaking. Right. It makes me very happy. I agree with that. Yeah. Now I've I uh what was it? Uh Paris is burning. That's the, yes. okay. So that talks about the the birth of 
I guess a little ballroom scene. Ballroom. I've never watched it, but I've, I've <gasps> like I, I'm just, I'm gonna watch it, but I just haven't watched it yet. You'll understand. But um, the even like since we're doing this in the middle of Pride Month, Pride was was started by Black trans women. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think that it's so funny. Like I actually learned this last year. Um, Pose actually did a, a special segment last June just because of, of the uh, pandemic. That um, talking about just the history behind Pose and everything like that, but they talked about you know the whole incident with uh, Paris is burning, and they talked about how Black trans women started Pride, and I was like, that's so funny because when you look at Pride now, <laughs> the black face is not there. Right, it's everyone else, and it's like all, all, you know they say inclusivity, but it's like we started it. I mean, and it's that's the the same narrative for a lot of things. We start a lot of stuff in history, but we don't get the recognition. So like Jay, how do you feel about, you know, with Pose giving the light to those voices and like do you think now that we'll get the recognition that we that we deserve? <laughs> in the in the community, obviously not you and I cuz we're not black trans women, <clears throat> but like do you think just in the community they'll get the recognition that they deserve after I- Pose? I've been in Los Angeles for about seven years, which for me feels like the space that you go to to feel pride, the space that you go to as an LGBT member, like a member of this community to feel safe. Right. And I still very much so feel safe. But I will say in the last like five to six years, I've definitely seen a shift and a change in pride, the discussion around inclusivity in its true form, you know, not just having the built white bodies on every single pride float, not just the vodka ads, not just the commercial companies coming in, throw some rainbow on their stuff. It is it is becoming so much more inclusive and it's becoming talked about within our community, right. not just from the outside. We're not being told to be inclusive. We're not being told to see more black people. People are having the conversations that look like you and me, that don't look like you and me. And it's a great thing. It really right. is. So to see Hollywood also starting to embody these things it gives me a little bit more hope. I mean, honestly, two, three years ago, um, I would, wouldn't have even wanted to come out as an LGBT artist. Still, like, teeter-tartering on the closet, not right. being in the closet, changing my lyrics and stuff like that. So seeing Hollywood take these first steps, seeing artists like Lil Nas X and all these other people just coming out and truly being recognized, awarded, loved, and just welcomed into the homes of cis, heterosexual men right. and women, that... That, I think, is the piece that's really making it feel like home. I agree with that. What about you, Ashley? I agree. I agree for sure. For sure. I think um, up to a few years ago, I would say, you know, a lot of people, if they, if you were to ask someone, you know, to name a trans actor or a person, you know, in uh, of celebrity status, maybe somebody might throw in Laverne Cox or something like that, but that's like the only one, you know, people aren't people. And I feel like putting, putting people of color, people, trans people, anyone in the community in these positions is not only kind of showing what people could do, but also breaking the stigma that, you know, I feel like, trans people have certain stigmas maybe for whatever reason they're weird or that maybe they're going to try to you know maybe they uh, who knows any it's of like, the it's things. like tropes like like even like oh you don't want a trans 
woman in your in your bathroom exactly. because they're gonna try to touch little girls exactly. it's like stuff like that exactly. and it's automatically assuming that like a trans woman is a pedophile right. or a trans man is a pedophile exactly so i think it's kind of changing that stigma like hey you know these are now people who i'm happy to see are taking more seats in offices right um and getting more um positions in power and showing that they have so they're actual people there's them being a trans person or a person in the lgbt to me LGBTQ community is just a small portion of who they are and what they can do. It has nothing to do with their mind and what they can contribute to the world. And I, I'm I'm really happy to see people getting opportunities to be on these platforms and you know break those help break those stigmas. I think we still have quite a ways to go. Absolutely. I definitely think we have quite a ways to go, but the conversations, like you said, are definitely being had. And you know. It, it, Every day and every time, you know, we see another face like this or a new show comes out with these type of, you know, diverse characters and away from the norm, it just continues to kind of push us forward in that. So that's how I feel. No, I feel, I understand. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Pose. So it's, I, you know, we, we're, like I said, we're going to get into it and there's, there's a lot and, you know, we're going to try to stick to like, the, like a lot of the main stuff, but there there's a lot. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to say right off the back is, I definitely feel like three seasons was too short. Too short. Um, what? I I definitely feel like it could have been four or five. And so that's many. Like for real, for real. Um, I don't. So part of me thinks that it was actually canceled, and the reason why I say that is because, um, as y'all know, because this is like my my podcast. I'm a huge like movie like nerd and stuff like that and i look into all this type of stuff I also used to work for disney um well disney bought fox a, a few years ago fx is a is a division underneath fox and when disney bought fox there was a lot of fox tv and movies that got scrapped or that got put on you have one more round and that's it mm. because um they were trying to rebrand there was a lot of people that got let go I was actually still working there where they let a lot of people go from Fox, their their movie division. Um, and we were even scared for our jobs just because we worked in the reservation center that it would trickle down in different ways and stuff like that. So I think that Pose, it was delayed that this was their final season but I because of the pandemic. But I think that Pose, just because... And this is not saying that um, Disney is against the subject matter, but I think that Disney definitely curved some of their um some of their programming um and 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 i don't say this to try to be controversial or anything like that but i do i do think that there was there was a lot of stuff that was chopped from from fox and from fx and i think because i honestly i feel like they had two or three more seasons in them mm-hmm. um i love this final season but i feel like it was very rushed as far Agreed. as the storylines. For sure. Um, I, like, the episodes were really, really good, but I feel like, okay, we have to give Electra her tribute episode. We have to give Pray Tell his tribute episode. Um, we have to give, you know, this person their tribute episode. And I feel like uh, there was a lot of time jumps. We started this, the season back in, two, in 1994, and I think we ended in 1998. So in a matter of six episodes, we jumped four years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where in previous seasons... Uh, we would go maybe one or two years mm-hmm. in the entire season. And I think they did that so that way we can wrap up these storylines. So for me, like, 
Uh, why do you guys think like they stopped at three seasons? Because I, I looking at your face, Jay. Like, why do you think <clears> they stopped? Do you think it was canceled? Do you think it was like an organic? We want to stop. So for me, I, I kind of see like a trend where networks and TV shows are doing one of two things. They are giving you an abundance of seasons because you are getting the viewership and it's continuously growing, or at least they're making enough money to make it equitable to keep growing. Because one of the big things when you talk about TV series, like when we talk about Ryan Murphy, we talk about Glee. Glee was one of my favorite shows. One of the first things they talk about with why they started ending it, why it started getting weird, like people start asking for more money. It starts to get funny when you see that celebrity and you get stuck. Cause, and it's also on the back end for the actors too. You get pigeonholed into that character. Who knows how successful you are going to be when that show ends. So right. you start asking for my money. You start asking for production credits. You start asking for everything under the sun. So for me, as a viewer, purely as a viewer, I believe three seasons was enough. And I say it was enough because if the stories had drug on too long and say there had been two or three episodes or half a season devoted to just Electra. I would have eventually gotten bored. Not that these characters were not dynamic and amazing human beings and they didn't draw me in, but five, two or three more seasons, I, I might have stopped watching. I, the only reason why I say that, because I feel like, for example, where we left off in season two. Mm. So, you know, the very last episode of season two, you know, Blanca she was in the hospital. I thought she was going to go. And I was one. Yeah. I was like, if Blanca goes, I'm done. Right. Because Blanca, <laughs> right. she's, that's, that's mother. Right. Um, but, you know, she, she got better. But they ended with these two kids right after the ball. And there was like, let's go home. We jumped, I want to say three years later. And also, that's actually talking about that same episode. So at that, at the end of season two, Damon was a father in Europe. Uh, um, Poppy and Angel was about to. They just got. They just got proposed. Well, they just got engaged, and they were about to go start modeling, like and all the stuff like that. Um, of what was Electra doing at that time? Starting her business, or no? I don't think she started her business yet. No, not sure. But I know she. She was. She was still mother of Wintour right. at that time. But what I'm saying is, like between seasons two and three, when they came back in season three. The only person who was really this doing the same thing was Poppy. Mm-hmm, Electra sure. had a very different job at that point. Damon was back home on drugs or, or like battling with his rehab. Angel hadn't worked for a long time. Ricky Lulu, was as well. You think Ricky was still doing his? Yeah, he was still on doing tour the with same Jana. thing. He was he was on yeah, tour. Okay, but he, yes, uh, but he would come back. But Pratel was way worse. This is true. Is is you know so I that's the reason why I feel like okay how can we wrap this up so let's jump three years down the line and how can we wrap this up so that's why I feel like if it was four seasons I would have mm-hmm. been okay with that I do see where if it drags on for too long because going back to Glee I love Glee too yeah but it's the first three seasons for me <laughs> um, right. you know I would say season four is I can hang on to but after unfortunately when Corey passed away mm-hmm. um, you know it sort of like dwindled and I think even like the writers at that point had to be like okay let's bring back the original cast because people are not connecting with these new characters like exactly. that right. and let's graduate them and let's see them outside of outside of school See, you had a good point there. So two things that I was thinking about that. On one hand, maybe I'm a little biased. I think it could have gone another season or two just because when they, they rush to give everybody their their spotlight, you know, to tell their stories, but they miss other people's stories. I would have loved to know what happened, what happened when Damon went off to Europe. I would love to hear a little bit more about his story, right. a little bit more about what Ricky had going on because it kind of seemed like after a while it was just about him being afraid. Right. You know, he would go off and dance and things like that, but it 
wasn't about that. But then also you brought up a really good thing about when, uh, going back to Glee, when Corey passed away. So now it's like, well, pray tell is gone. Do you think that that might have been what they were thinking as far as, well, not too much more we could do now, you know, not too much farther it can go because pray tell was such a big part of it. I'm wondering if maybe that's kind of the, their thought process as well. Well, I think that season two, we lost Candy. Mm-hmm. Um, she, even though she still showed up in like flashbacks or in dreams mm-hmm. or whatever, stuff like that between, um, I think it's, Candy was a big character for a lot of people. Really would have loved to um, know about more about right. what and happened I, and to I, her. And I felt like it was too, I think it was too sudden, but we'll, we'll talk about that because there's, there's a parallel with that in okay. real life. Mm. Um, but... Um, I would say with Pray Tell, because so Ricky was diagnosed, Pray Tell was diagnosed, Blanca was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. We lost Candy in season two. I feel like if they didn't jump the three years, and let's just say another year had gone by, they could have, we could have lost another character. I honestly feel like we could have lost Pray Tell in mm-hmm. season three, and they could have done one more season without him. Right. And I think it, it felt like it could have been like a like a tribute to like the legacy, right. and they could have did more about the act up stuff. They could have did more about how um, Ricky dealt with Praytel not being here no right. more. How Blanca had to step up, and now she's a legendary icon. I feel like there's some of the stuff they rushed, but if they would have took their time with some of the stuff, I feel like they could have went one more season, and right. that could have been the final season. Because they ended, and now Ricky's a father. Exactly. You know what I mean? I would have loved to kind of see him come into that and what he did and kind of how, a little bit more in how they molded the next generation. And, you know. What do you think, but maybe. Oh, um, yeah, I feel the, the exact same way about all of that. It's just, it's certain things, like with certain characters, you... You, they draw you in with them, and then you want more. But then they you, they don't give that to you. Like, was Lulu... Like, Lulu didn't have right. that much. No. Like, Lulu didn't she, have she, much. That was but she was always, always there. Right. And I'm, I'm just like... And she was a prominent character. Yeah. I was Especially because she was a house mother. I was mm-hmm. expecting more. So, like... Mm. like and that's what, so that's what I'm saying. I feel uh-huh. like you know, and I, and this is not to say I'm, obviously I love the last season, but <laughs> what I mean right. by like they rushed it is they they spent a lot of time on you know pray tell you know his, mm-hmm. his, his passing and leading up to that. Right. They spent a lot of time with Blanca stuff like that, but we did lose some other characters on the wayside. Right. We didn't hear nothing from you know Damon's. Uh, teacher, right? She was a huge part of the first two seasons, exactly. And, and I, under, I understand, like, she was a part of Damon's storyline. So let's actually address Damon really quick because, Ooh, please, when I right, so when I saw because they dropped two episodes when it first started, when I saw because he was part of episode one, and then all of a sudden episode two, they were like, oh, he had a relapse and he's gone. Yeah, I stopped the episode. And I was like, wait, did they kill him off? Right. Like, I didn't know what happened. Um, in real life, unfortunately, the actor who actually plays um, Damon, his name is Ryan Jamal, um, his sister passed away. So oh. he had to walk away from the show. Um, I believe he posted it on his Instagram, not about Pose, but he did post about his sister passing away last year. And I want to say either it happened before it happened or even or like after, but they probably brought him back just because of hey, come back, but then he probably was like, I can't anymore. Mm. Um, but he did say in, in recent posts that there's no drama, there's no beef or anything like that. It's It was, I had to step away from the show. So they had to do it in a way where it was like cold turkey. Yeah. Because right. I think they had, because I, I think even with that, 
him having like relapses and stuff. I would have loved to see. So what happened to you? Right. You were literally this choreographer over here in mm-hmm. Europe, and now all of a sudden you're relapsing because he never had a drug problem. Right. And I think that was the easiest way for them to write him off the show in an abrupt way. But let's bring him back just so we can get everyone back together for one episode. Right. Right. So, but yeah. So you know. But I, I think that there's some people got lost with the by the wayside. Um, but I do want to talk about some character arcs that I want to talk about because um, some people I feel like had a, a big character arc. Like, for example, Electra. Yes. Let's talk about yes. Mother Electra for a second. Oh, Electra Abundance. Because <laughs> not Wintour. We don't we don't acknowledge that one. At least no. I don't. Um, but Electra, when we first meet Electra, she's this sassy, you know, flip at the mouth. You know, she's all about snatching her trophies. Mm-hmm. Uh, she hits a breaking point in season one where she literally ends up homeless right. um, and then between seasons two and all the way now season three she rises up and now she's literally like that who bitch. she's always saw herself to be mm-hmm. so like Iman when you when you look at Electra and you look at someone like she literally started from the bottom and now she's yes. here like how like what do you what do you think about the character Electra like what do you think about her overall arc I loved her from the first time she opened her mouth. So <laughs> I'm very biased on that. But I do say, <clears throat> I will say, I do like where they took her. Mm. I appreciate that they, that she ended up being a little softer, like being right. nice. Like you can, you can still be that bitch. But you know, put a little niceness on it. But I, I don't know. She was just great. I loved her. I, 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 I love her reads. Like whenever she reads someone, Ooh. I'm just like, oh, Four let me fifth. just let me just go. What did she say? She My. said, um, you see yourself as uh become a legendary, but you could have seen yourself from here to go without me pointing the way. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. She said, um, House of Verosity, you, you're about as fierce as my morning cornflakes. Come on. I was like, oh yeah. my god. My favorite read was the the wedding shop owner. Yes. Oh, and oh. This, oh yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. My, that one so season one when she when she read House of Veracity and also in season two when they went on that beach trip yes, yes. and that she beach. read that that lady in oh. the <laughs> oh yes <laughs> without major and being a basic bitch <laughs> yes she was so good what about you Jay I feel like there are three very important pieces to Electra season one you see the biggest transition they present her as this person who is completely about the bag who's all about the trophies but then you see the softer side of her that is like I'm a woman and I am willing to bet it all to become myself. And I think that's the most important lesson that you really take away from Electra. It's all about being yourself. Even when you jump all the way to season three, leaving your mother in that tragic of a situation Mm -hmm. just to be yourself. And the only thing you're really coming back for is that that set of dresses Mm -hmm. and then giving it away to care for your children. So there's like several really important pieces to her. There is one, her sacrificing it all to be herself. You see that in seasons one and seasons three, but also giving so much just to your children. Like her relationship with Blanca is insane. You would think that she doesn't actually care, but she, who else does she run to either if she's on top or if she's on the bottom, it's always Blanca, Blanca. it's always her children. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, it's like, here it is. I'm still gifting. I'm still giving. We are all still growing together. Like these people truly are family. And I think that's the one thing that a lot of people don't really want to talk about when we talk about Electra. We want to talk about the walk. We want to talk mm-hmm. about the face. We want to talk about the wigs. We want to talk about the clothes. But you got to talk about how much she really feels the community. 
Right. And that that's the biggest piece about Electra for me. Yeah, I think that she they painted to her like almost losing her way a little bit in the third season as far as like I don't wanna like, you know, I've grown from that, but then she does come back around because she knows like the community, the the ballroom scene helped her get to where she is now. And I and I don't wanna I don't think it made her. I think it just helped her along because even going back to that flashback episode in season three, she was always that way. Mm-hmm. Even before she became like Mother Electra, she always had the mentality. She always knew she was number one. And I think to even someone speaking in like someone to me, like it's that confidence. It's that, you know, even when you don't, even when you're not in that situation, you're speaking it into mm-hmm. existence. And she spoke everything that she has now into existence throughout the years. And that's one thing I really appreciate about her with that. Um, I would say. Like I mentioned before, Blanca is my, my favorite character on the show. Um, um, but Blanca and Damon, but we'll talk, we'll talk about <laughs> Damon in a second. But Blanca is, she, I was rooting her from her for her since the beginning. Um, I felt like she was the most genuine person on the show out of everyone. Um, she, a lot of times didn't think about herself. She always thought about someone else, in my opinion. Um, she would put, you know, no, even like, cause even with the, uh, in the the finale of season three, when they found about the clinical trials right. for Pray Tell, she was like, she didn't, yeah, she didn't want it. And her boyfriend, Christopher, who is, yes, ooh, Jeremy Pope, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, he was like, no, babe, you need to take these too. Um, she wasn't even thinking about herself, thinking like, you know, I'm also sick as well. She didn't even think about that. She's only trying to save her friend. So. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned before, when she when she got sick in season two, she's laying in the bed. I was like, if Blanca's out, I'm out. Like I, mm-hmm, I can't watch yeah. the show anymore. Ashley, what is your impressions on Mother Mother Blanca Evangelista? I love Mother Blanca. I think she is not only uh, was not only an example to her children and to the community, the ballroom community, but just an example to the viewers. Um, uh, just how you show love no matter what, how it's about family no matter what. I think there are a lot of people in the community or just in general. I keep saying in the community, but like really just people in general who are looking for that love from a mother or someone to care about them so much. I think that it was so imperative to show the way that she supported Damon through getting him in school, Angel getting her off the piers and things like that. And I, I, I'm hoping, I would think, you know, that it would be an example to people going through those things even today because people are still going through and doing the same things today. You know, looking for a family, looking for a home, you know, people to care about them and to push them. And I think that that was really important to show that we have the same I don't know why but I feel like people outside of the community feel like just because we're trans or you know any of the 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 other members of the community that we don't have the same morals or standards or we don't want the same I guess traditional things as everyone else do and um I really like the fact that it portrayed us you know doing this and just being regular members of society and doing all the same things and accomplishing all the same things that everybody else does exactly blanca she she really she was that example of like tough love like sure. I re- like even i'm thinking back to like season one when um the damon's uh professor 
when they remember when like Damon was late to rehearsal that mm-hmm. one time and like the professor called um, Blanca into the to the studio and was like, hey, so Damon is, is slipping and it's because of those balls. And she's like, are you coming? No, I'm not coming for you. I understand the importance of the balls, but you can't give your 100% to both. And she understood. And she was like, Damon, no balls for no a balls. Month. And Damon was like, oh, you know, besides Chris, no, no balls means no balls. And he got it. He got an attitude. He had an attitude. He had an attitude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know, she was like, I don't care. You can go have your attitude in your room. And I think that just from, from a person who's not in the ballroom scene or just not a part of, you know, that world or even don't really understand the context, like Blanca wasn't Damon's real parent. Right. But in that moment, she treated him like that was her like her own son. I don't care. Like, if you don't follow my rules, you can get out of my house. And how many times have our parents said that to us, like, growing up? Like, if you don't listen to like, you can go out there and do it on your own. And, like, he still had that respect for her that even though he is, he was 18, if he wanted to go, he could have absolutely went. But because Blanca said, you cannot go because I said so, he stayed home. And I think it was, it was in those moments it was like, wow, she... She really embodied the, the the motherhood for her children, and she pushed them, and she was tough on them. And I'm not gonna let you slide just because you know you are grown. You can do whatever you want. No, you're underneath my roof. I want the best for you. And her children became legendary in their own respective ways. To even after the House of Evangelista retired, when they would come back around, it's like the legendary house. And even thinking back to when they first walked their first ball, like they lost all mm-hmm. the way around, but now they're like looked as legendary stars so like little poppy and angel i, I love that I, oh my poppy. God. I, I love, love poppy him. so much he he actually he he was so genuine and he yeah. so i actually saw an interview um uh, his name in real life is angel um i saw an interview where he talked about how pose has changed him as an individual and when i was talking about before the ally thing if you're you're mm-hmm. a real ally if you know um, if you defend when the person's not in the room. I got that from him because he said, like, he's never had a problem with trans women. Um, he's always been, like, ally, but he learned what a real ally was because he said he would be on sets for other movies and they would crack jokes on trans and he wouldn't say anything um, just because, you know, he wouldn't say anything. But now, like, he, he cracks them. No, like, they're women or they're this. You can't say that. Um, and he's... I think he's been transformed. I didn't actually know he was dating uh, Janet Mock. Who? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're dating in real oh, life. Oh, wow. Um, which is a huge thing for a cis man um, to be dating a trans woman publicly um, and not um, and and not worry about the ridicule or the you know the, the stigma that comes from that because a lot of people, especially within unfortunately the black community. Um, they won't have a problem with the gays mm. or the trans, but when you when you bring it up, oh, that's no, that's still a man. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, that's that's still a, you know, that's oh, oh, that's he's still a woman. That's that's not a that's not a man type thing. So it's it's very, it's very refreshing to see someone, and we're all still learning. But um, I I love Angel. What do y'all think about Angel? About you know her her overall arc with her getting into becoming modeling and. You know the drugs and stuff like that. What do you think, Jay? I think the way they introduced the drugs with Angel was very telling. It's like, oh, you're jumping into this modeling industry. It was really big in the '80s, and then the transition over to crack in season three. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you got clean, and now you're jumping back on, but you're jumping on the hard stuff. And so, mm-hmm. 
I feel like they did a really good job, especially between seasons two and three, with all of the activism, the drug use, really highlighting how those affected black and brown communities, especially in major metropolitan cities. Because like those are the things that we think about when we think about the 80s. We think about cocaine, we think about the partying, we think about the modeling industry, we think about AIDS, we think about drugs. And it's really sad, but at the same time, it's one of the things I said at the very beginning, the show did a masterful job with introducing it, showing people overcoming, and even people falling by the wayside with like, Lulu was a major character that's like, oh, were we gonna, I thought we were gonna lose Lulu. Mm-hmm. When oh, really? they, yes, I, I really thought we were gonna lose Lulu when she first gave Angel that cigarette. She said, "Oh, it's laced with a little bit of crack." Yeah. I was like, "Y'all gonna kill Lulu? Yeah. Right. Y'all gonna oh kill gosh. Lulu before prey?" Because like, I, I'm sorry, I knew we was coming for prey, but like, really, yeah. I think that's what really got me. I, I'm really impressed with Angel's overall character arc into not just being a woman, but being a mother. That's not something we talk about in our community. That Let's talk not. about that for a second because with that whole storyline with Poppy learning that he's a father Ooh. and her at first not wanting to do it, I was kind of indifferent about it because, you know, it's kind of like I can see both sides. Like, I, I'm a huge Poppy fan. So mm. I was one of those, like, Angel, just go be with that man. Right? <laughs> right. But also at the same time, she's like, that's not what I really signed up for. So how do y'all think about, like, you know, what, what would you do if you was in that situation if you've been with someone for all these years and this was sprung on you like it wasn't like he cheated like it was literally like this was sprung on you and you, you know you didn't really sign up for that like you know like how would you how would you have handled that if he was angel um not how she i wouldn't have handled it how she handled it <laughs> i mean i would have i don't know i guess because for me if that were to have been a thing in a in a relationship that i was in I can't be upset with that. Like, I, even though I didn't sign up for it, we can talk about it. We can do something. But I don't know. I think it was a little big of a blow up for me in my head. Just yeah. a little bit. I thought she was tripping. Yeah. Oh, I thought she was tripping because it's like. I mean, I look he did too. You know Poppy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This, this just got sprung up on him. And I was very appreciative of the fact that. When she made that decision, Poppy was like, well, then this might not work because it's my son. It, right. We're a package yes. thing now. I, I appreciated how he stood up as a man Absolutely. and and took that on. Um, I'm, I'm a, also a huge Poppy fan. Mm-hmm. I think that he, he, throughout all the seasons, has been the most consistent. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, just sweet, caring about the family being Protective. there for every, exactly and i've seen it from the beginning from when him and angel started flirting you know what i mean he wanted to take her on a date and everything like i i thought she overreacted i figured she would come to his senses because you know you got you a good man girl right and at the end of the day i was really happy to see her i feel like after the wedding she was a whole new person like mm. like she was she had a whole different glow about her a different walk even the way that they had her makeup and hair i felt was different she was a wife she was like a, a matured woman that's kind of like the feel that i got as not that mature mature woman <laughs> that's 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 the feel that i got after that i was really happy to see her come into that and and embrace that um that life because just like 
the reason they had all the wedding. You know what I mean? Electra was like, this is a chance for people in this community who would never have the opportunity or think they couldn't have the opportunity to have the happily ever after to, to be a part of, you know, to witness that. So right. I think it was great. What about you, Jay? Honestly, that, that probably was the blessing. Like, you see a lot of emphasis on womanhood. Mm-hmm. So even myself being a gay man, that's, that's not something that I am, like, fully in the know about. But you see this narrative very present from the beginning, how important it is to be a woman in every facet. And so you see that with Electra's transition in the very beginning. And then you see that with all of the emphasis that's put on the wedding, the dress, being treated properly by other people. And what happens when you don't, Mother Electra? Right. And, Period. And really just like seeing her fully own being a wife For and sure. mother. Like, I personally don't want kids, but in that instance, I know I would have stood by Poppy. I would have been like, yo, you know what? Cool. We're we going to figure baby. this out. We're going to figure this out. But, like, it was just, it was beautiful. And, I, again, that's one of the things that the show did really well. It left me feeling really, really good about all of these character arcs and the narratives at the very end, which is why I didn't think it was too short. <laughs> no, I feel you. I <laughs> So, I definitely, though, so like I said, I'm a huge Poppy fan. Um, I... I like the fact that they gave that that narrative to him because mm-hmm. I'm a huge advocate of fathers being able to like stand up and take care of their children and actually show that a lot of fathers are. I'm actually blessed to be surrounded by a lot of my brothers who have children, who stand up, who take care of their children. A lot of them are still in their relationships, but the ones who are not with their, you know, their children's mothers they put the effort like my my youngest brother um he has three beautiful girls um and he he uh for his first his first child he's not with you know that that girl no more but he fought like either i'm gonna have full custody of her or we're gonna have joint custody and i think that in this in a society especially within the black um the black community it's so easy to give the children to the, the 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 mother um, and I know that this situation is a little bit different, but I like the fact that Poppy could have been like, oh, no, that's not my child. And I'm not going to do it because even though he's not black, but he's still he's still Hispanic. And, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of times we equate Hispanics, especially Puerto Ricans with black people. Right. Um, you know, he could have easily been like, that's not my child. But he stood up and even to the point where it's like as much as I loved Angel, my I have to be responsible for this child sure. now. And if she doesn't want to be a part of that as much as I love her. You know, I will have to let her go, mm. and I I'm so happy that Angel, you know, and she she needs to take a moment, but also Mother Blanca was like, you need to get your life together, exactly. and be with this man, because exactly. she, you know, if Poppy, you know, did exactly what he needed to do. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Candy for a second. Okay. Um, so before we talk about you know her untimely passing in season two, um, let's just talk about that that. that that fierceness, that feistiness that we got from that character. Let's talk about the hammer. The, the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> she, the, she was swinging the hammer like it was nothing. Yes. I thought she was going to get prey. I'm not going to lie. She, she almost did. <laughs> Candy was played by the wonderful Angelica Ross, who's actually appeared in a few of, of Ryan Murphy's other projects, especially like American Horror Stories. Um, but who was also a really big activist for the trans community and the black community and stuff like that. She's very vocal in a lot of different ways. Um, but Candy, I if I could be completely honest, when Candy first started to like, because I, I feel like the first couple of episodes she was there, but she wasn't mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
it was like episode three or four of season one that all of a sudden like she was just like boom it's candy yeah and i was like oh okay i guess we're gonna go this route and like right. everything like that but when she when she passed in season two so um that story that actual happened um back in the day the exact same situation where a trans woman was found in a closet of a hotel um so they pulled that directly from um an actual event and that's actually one thing that i applaud about pose they pull storylines mm-hmm. even like i think the the, the condom thing in season mm-hmm. did you say the condom thing in season two was an actual i think there's an actual event yes. too where they, they tenant someone's house in, in a big blow up condom also i don't know if you all do know but most of those characters were based off of the characters in um the documentary paris is burning yes, yes. So yeah, but Can- Candy's death was and the suitcase. Yeah, and, and the body in the suitcase was yeah. a real story. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the story that um, I forgot the the, the lady um, like who helped him out with that, but how she talked about and how in Honduras, where if you know if a woman had an abusive husband, mm-hmm. all the women in the village would come together and mm-hmm. take care of it, and yes. everyone kept their mouth shut. Oh, the one who was <laughs> given the botch booty shot. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, so sad. Yes. But yeah, so but Candy, um, I think that she she stood for a lot of people who wasn't seen who she was. I saw a lot of Electra in her. Oh, yeah. Oh, Uh, yeah. She knew exactly who she was. And even though other people didn't see it, she was very hard headed and stubborn. Yes. um, But she knew exactly who she was. And when people didn't see it, she was like, you're going to see me today. Um, So who like who would like to talk about Candy? I mean, I, I personally just, I, I love Candy. I love the fact that she would walk any category, whether or not she fit that category. Period. It truly was, here I am. I deserve my scores. Go ahead and do it. And she expected them tens. Yeah. She absolutely. wasn't playing. She wasn't out there to be a joke for anybody else. She expected to win. She felt that she deserved to be in every category. And honestly, that's the attitude most of us should have. Mm-hmm. We should be walking around because we are worthy of that spotlight and she deserved it. And I think one of the most important things for me was like her conflict with Pray Tell was hilarious. But for them to give her her own category. Right. Not just in memorial of her death, but just like in memorial of the spirit of belonging. Right. I think that was what was so important to me when it came to her character and also just in the world of the LGBT community in the world of being like a trans woman, being a darker skinned trans woman, if you weren't necessarily Electra's pretty face or somebody else's like Greek god body, you still have to stand out. You still have to be loved and represented. And I think Candy did that for everyone who wasn't being seen. Yeah, and she she would fight too and she she knew exactly what she wanted and what she wanted to do and what she didn't want to do and how she was going to get there and she was not gonna let no one stop her. So, you know, Candy was a character where I do feel like I would have loved to seen a little bit more from mm-hmm. that character, but I do feel like it also shifted the show where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I think back to like completely different subject really quick, but I think mm-hmm. back to like uh like Game of Thrones. <laughs> um and how like Game of Thrones didn't shy away from killing off the major characters. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I and I think that in a TV show, you don't really think I mean, well, I guess with the subject matter because it's AIDS, you automatically assume that um someone may go, but a lot of times shows will 
won't take a big risk with uh, killing off a major character. And I, I actually commend movies and TV shows who do take that risk. Right. Especially when it's done right. Um, because it shows more weight to it. Just and I think... Story. Yeah, it shows an actual story and it's not just sugarcoated. And I think because Candy was a, a huge character that was loved by everyone to see her go very early in season, in season two, um, it was one of those things where it was like, oh, snap. Oh, okay. And how it, it shaped and, you know, it, you know, moved everything forward. And I like they kept it throughout season two and right. also season three. Right. Um, even down to, like, shifting over to, like, Pray Tell. Like, his mm-hmm. last thing was dancing right. to, mm-hmm. you know, can- Candy Sweet Refrain. And, um, you know, that, that was, that was, I knew, I knew, I knew Pray Tell was going to go. Mm. Um, from, I knew Pray Tell was going to go from the moment after the dance when he when he was telling everyone goodbye on the sidewalk, like mm-hmm. I knew that I knew he was about to go, um, I and I I didn't know like the stipulations behind it, but I knew like when he because after that he went home, he took off his makeup mm-hmm. and it was it was long and I yeah. felt I felt like this is this was like he knew, mm-hmm. and I actually I heard from like you know a family member or something like sometimes when you're at a certain age or when you're dealing with something you know you know you know when it's when it's time to, it's um, uh, besides when it's sudden you know what i mean mm-hmm. when you're but when you lay down to rest and you're you like your body tells you all right it's time to go and i think he he knew because everything like everything was perfect and he also even told blanca like besides my name being on labels across the world like i've left my legacy here so he felt like he was done mm-hmm. and even a few episodes before he would say like I'm not done yet. Like, I still have a few more stuff I have to do. And I feel like at that point, he felt like, yes, I'm done. So I let's talk about Pray Tell for a minute, yeah. um, because I think that Pray Tell is definitely the heart of the show. Um, the introduction with live work pose is, yes. is by far my favorite. <laughs> yes. I love it so much. Um, but I think Pray Tell had an arc in a sense of, you know, we see him going to all these funerals and we see the toll um, it took on him with seeing people um, dying here and there, him falling in love, him not wanting to fall in love, him getting with Ricky. I know Jay feels some type of way about that. We'll <laughs> um, but, you know, let's let's talk about Pray Tell for a second and, like, how do we feel about Pray Tell's overall arc and do you... Because I, I knew going into season three, either Pray Tell or Blanca was going to go. And mm-hmm. I, for personal reasons, I wanted Blanca to live. And if, 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 <laughs> if this is, it, sound, it sounds bad, but <laughs> I, I don't, I would have took it way. I cried when Pray Tell died, but I would have like literally cried yeah. if Blanca died. So I feel like out of the two, it's as bad as it may sound. Yeah. I, I wanted Blanca to, especially after with her being with, you know, Christopher, played by the amazing Jeremy Pope. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to, I wanted Blanca to. So, Jay, how do you feel about uh, Pray Tell's arc? I love Pray Tell's entire arc. I think that he didn't get enough mm-hmm. screen time seasons one or two. Agreed. Now, seasons three, and this is why I knew Pray Tell was going to die. There were two reasons. One, they gave him full backstory right. we went mm-hmm. home home yeah. we examined his past which felt a little too close to home personally <laughs> and then it was the red it was all of the red that he was wearing towards the end mm-hmm. i've seen this many many times in aids related or lgbt narratives where someone is going to die or someone's getting 
eight. Um, Tyler Perry did a really good job of it in Four Color Girls. You see Janet in the red mm-hmm. the entire time. And even though you don't know, if you're a member of the LGBT community, you knew. Mm-hmm. You knew Janet had AIDS and you knew what her man was doing. Mm-hmm. It was very easy. And when they kept showing him in so much red, especially in Candy's sweet refrain, mm-hmm. and they had Blanca in pink, it was just like, y'all gonna kill Prey. Mm-hmm. And then the makeup scene, the makeup scene made it. It was too long. It was eerie. And yeah. then he walked away in all that white. Yeah. You knew it was done. And then they and they just had Ricky pop up in there. I was like, Ricky, what, what are you doing here? Yeah. I, that, I couldn't even focus on Ricky's grief. I was just like, I know y'all killing Pray Tale. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. was it. And actually, I, I didn't fully figure out that he was going to give him his meds. But when Ricky did show him the lesion, I felt like something was off. I felt like that had so much purpose. Because there wasn't any real narrative about let's get Ricky into the program. It was more like, let's go and like do the act up and let's drop the ashes and all, all of these different things. And it was just like, there wasn't enough focus anywhere else. They were setting us up for Pray yeah. to Die. And it was it was beautiful. I would say that Pray Tale's character arc, especially the music that his character brought to the show, was probably the most impactful thing. I didn't cry when Pray died. I cried when Pray went to church and they were singing yeah. as as a little gay black boy yes. who grew up in the south you grew up in church yeah. right and that song tore i paused it played it four or five times couldn't even finish the episode i had to rewind and listen to it so many times because it was like i haven't felt this since i was home and it, it was it was everything it was it was the pain of coming out and like having your family disown you and push you away and it was just powerful. His entire character arc was powerful, not just from him being a part of the intro, but every single thing that happens with him, his family, his mother, his aunties. Mm-hmm. Like my aunties, those are my aunties. Yeah. And I think everybody really felt that narrative, if, especially if you're not a trans member of the community, but you're just someone of color who grew up in these scenarios where you've been cast out. And you get to see this full character arc of, not just your mother still loving you, but communicating with you. Right. And like you're going through all those pieces, your auntie still being around. And yes, you're gonna pray for my soul, and that's cool. We're gonna have a little conflict about that, but it, it was just perfect. For sure. I would say one thing I really didn't like was the pastor. The pastor. I was just about to say oh because that pastor said, oh, I'm gonna meet you at the bus station and first really of all, didn't show up. First of all, I knew he wasn't I coming. I knew to he the wasn't bus. coming. <laughs> he wasn't coming to the bus station. He wasn't coming. His wife surprised me. That scene where she that? asked him how I please my man or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I was like, sis, first of all, you shouldn't have had me over to dinner. Because I'm about to lay your whole mm-hmm. shit bare. Like, you knew who this man was and you still married him. And then you got the nerve to ask me. Nah. Prey was real nice and he shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. That's just all I got They to were say. best friends. No. It was more than best friends. No, I'm saying Prey and the girl. And the girl, yeah. Right. They she, were, so he, she knew about. Exactly. She should have ran yeah, in the other she direction. she knew about it. One thing that really caught me off guard with the situation with Prey, though, was when he went and had lunch with his aunt, and she pretty much was like, let me handle your affairs. So I'm not even going to lie. I thought there was some hidden agenda about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. It felt like way off. Absolutely. Do you, you don't remember that part, Jay? I remember that part, but I, I didn't think anything was off because she she seemed really sad about something that she, like she didn't protect him. Yeah. Like, that this is true. Genuine. That did. That did feel genuine. But then when at the, at the end, when his mother went to Blanca with his ashes, she did elude to some drama. 
and she did say she wasn't going to get into the details, but she had to fight to get his ashes, the remainder of his ashes to do what he wanted to be done. So yeah. I'm I'm not sure because at the end, his mom kind of came around and realized, you know, just like he said, he said, a, he made a really powerful statement. He was like, I don't need your prayers. I need your love. Mm, right. And being someone, a part of the community who was also raised in the church, that specifically hit home with me because there's a lot of people who don't need religion or prayers or for you to judge them. They just need your love. It doesn't mean that you have to be accepting necessarily. It doesn't mean that you have to change who you are, but just that love is so important. I would say like, I definitely feel like, like you don't have to understand you have to, but I would like for you to accept. Right. And it's not necessarily like, you know, we can still, we can disagree, but still love each other. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing, especially within the church that like, you know, people who don't understand feel like they can't also like be there and they can't like because I don't understand you can't be a part right and it's just kind of like well there's a lot of things that I don't understand but I'm still a part with you as well right. um I think that so I think the beef between because the the thing with his with his aunt was pretty much like I want to make sure your affairs is handled like I've always known you were gay I've always loved you but I feel bad that I never really stepped up and protected you mm-hmm. that's what she was pretty much telling him at the dinner table what at the lunch or whatever so she was like I want to make sure that your affairs is handled properly mm-hmm. because I don't want your mom to come in which honestly it is not the same but I can understand that because when I lost my father um, his wife still on paper that he wasn't with for 10 years um, came around mm-hmm. and played grieving widow mm-hmm. and it was very it was very like it was a it was first time I actually had to deal with with something with that magnitude because you know I'm my, my dad does have another child that like I've never met or whatever but I'm his no only child that he actually interacted with so in that moment I wanted to put my father to rest regardless of how like whatever I just wanted to put him to rest but then having to deal with someone who comes out of nowhere and because of a power right. of attorney right you have to let that person do stuff mm-hmm. so and that was really really hard because in my head I'm like I'm his son right let me put him to rest however I want to put him to rest because and in, in my family on my dad's side was all like Justin you can do it but then here comes this other lady because so basically, long story short, my dad was married for like a few years, um, but then they split up. They never got an official divorce on like legally, but he moved like he was with someone else for ten years, and he told me when he was still alive that he he wanted to get a divorce, but whenever he would come around with the paper, she was always giving him some type of BS. So he was just like, you know, it is what it is. We're not together, whatever. Didn't really think about the ramifications of anything was ever happened. Now my son can't do nothing. This woman can, and she came and played grieving widow and took all the re- all the responsibilities and the power away from me in that moment to the point where I had to go over there and like mm. like listen, lady, yeah, you know, yeah. and brought my mom and stuff. But anyways, yeah. I just say all that to say that. So I think the beef that um, that his auntie was talking about, what the mom was talking about, was because Praytel gave heard the power of attorney Mm -hmm. the mom probably was like well this is my son and she says no 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 i have the right because of him to do whatever he wants right you don't have the right Mm -hmm. i think that's the i think that's the beef that she was probably talking about yeah it just you know i I understand that part it was just a little weird because she literally had 
a manila folder with some paperwork ready for him to sign at the table. Right. And I was like, what is she doing? It, it, did, it felt kind of like very like strong, like it strong did. Armor a little it bit. It did. Even if it came with like good intention, that's why it felt like is, is she being genuine? Right. Because the one thing I didn't want for Praytel to, you know, pass away and all of a sudden, you know, Blanca can't see. Right. Because um, you also see that a lot as well mm-hmm. um, in, 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 when you're a part of the community, when that person goes, especially if the family didn't agree with it. Right. The, the person's chosen family doesn't have any right to see that person yes. when they pass or to see that person. It's like, because the family's like, oh, no, we're taking them. You'll never see yeah. that person again. And that's what I loved about the fact that Preta's <clears throat> mother came to Blanca like that. And she even went so far as to say, you've got mother's rights too. Right. Mm-hmm. That was so beautiful to me. And and going back to, you know, the paperwork situation, that's, that's an, it's just another example of what this show so eloquently does to show matters that are real and raw because you don't have to be a member of the LGBT community to lose someone and have to deal with those things, you know, have, you know, even if you, you know, I'm, I'm a construction worker and my mom wanted me to be a doctor and you know what I mean? Just something as small as that, you know what I mean? To be able to, you know, have someone to handle your affairs. Like, just kind of, it was a message to get your affairs in order. Right. Yes. It, that wow. that was the message right. that I got, for sure. Right. Because you, you never, never know. And I, I would definitely say, like, the paperwork definitely feels a little interesting and forced. But we, as people of color, have, we've witnessed. Whether Absolutely. you got an auntie, a cousin, somebody like that. Absolutely. The funeral is a hot mess. Nobody yep. knows where the insurance paperwork is. Nobody knows who has power of attorney. You just got a wife. You got a baby daddy, baby yep. mama. It's drama. It is. And it is something that we as, as as people of color definitely need to step into the realm of. Like, my mother got, thank, thank, thank God that she is not in that position, but that stuff is handled. Right. That stuff has been talked about. We know what's going to happen. She's bought a plot. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. we have to prepare for those things so that when people are grieving, mm-hmm. they're not having to figure out your financial situation. Yeah. Get life insurance. Life insurance. Our people do not have life insurance. No. That's a real... It's because I think that we, we're built with this mindset of dealing with the day-to-day. We right, don't think about the right. long term. Mm-hmm. And even, like, something as scary as that, like, you know, we don't want to think about the death or we don't mm-hmm. want to think about long... Or even retirement. It doesn't have to be so serious, but even exactly. retirement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't want to think of, like, we don't think about... How am I gonna take care of myself when I'm 65 and I'm not? I don't want to work no more. Mm-hmm. Or when I'm 55 and I don't want to work no more. Like mm-hmm. we don't think about that stuff. We only think about to, like today. So when something tragic happens, we're left scrambling and we're left mm-hmm. with who has this or where's this at or how do I deal with this? Is because we didn't think about that. So right. yeah, getting your affairs together definitely was like a big storyline. I think that they pushed together yeah, with for that. sure. So with um, with Blanca and um, how do y'all feel about Blanca and Praytel's relationship? Because Blanca and Praytel, I feel like they had such a bond where, and actually, I tell you this all the time, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, you're my sister. Right. And even, like, like we've never had, like, a big blowout, thank God. But <laughs> they would have blowouts, but then they would come back together. Right. And it was, like, thick as thieves, like, Absolutely. blood couldn't make them couldn't make them closer. Yeah. And I, I, I think the fact that they gave that, you know, HIV storyline to both of them. And they sort of hinted at the beginning that either one could go. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I think they're both, but you know, you had a lot of dynamic characters and a lot of major characters, but I think the heart of the show definitely was between Blanca and Pray Tell. Um, and I think for both of them to go on this journey together, even down to the point where he's like, let's make this quote together. Um, let's, you know, let's go through these things together. And, you know, even going back to season two with the cabaret and stuff like that, you know, they went on this journey together. Um, you know, when Blanca found out that she was positive and then when Prey found out, you know, it was positive, they both, they always ended up with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's powerful to have, you know, people like that in your life, not necessarily just because of the community, but just have people that you can be raw, mm-hmm. you can be real with, people Absolutely. who will check you, people who will correct you, even when it, when it hurts or when it's like whatever, but you know it's coming from a place of love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love the fact that they show Blanca and Pray Tell, you know, with that dynamic. And Iman, since you know more about the, the ballroom community than I do, um, do you have anyone that you would say that in your life that you have that type of dynamic with or or would you want to have that type of, uh, type of dynamic with, like Blanca and Pray Tell? Um, honestly, I feel like I have a couple people. Um, my good friend, Demia. Uh, uh, my my womb to the tomb, my friend Brittany, and my friend Sandy. Okay. I love them. They are my everything. We cuss each other out. We don't talk. <laughs> we don't do it. We throw shade. And then we come up and be like, yes, girl, come on, how you do it? I don't know. Just to be able to have that that um, unconditional knowing that you have somebody in your corner always is amazing. What about you, Jay? Honestly, I don't think I have anyone like that at this point in time in my life. Like, my, my partner's amazing. He is. He is my life. But even in all the years that we've been together, I, there are moments where we still have to work on our communication. Mm-hmm. You know, there are moments where you still can't say everything. Mm-hmm. And I've always been only child, kind of a loner. So I've just never really worked heavily on developing those things. I've been very much to myself. I've, I've wanted that. I see that in their relationship and I'm like, why ain't I got that? I need to work. I need to work on that. That's that's some personal development I need to do because who do you go to? I mean, I do have him. I go to him. I have friends that I go to, but nobody where it's like you got all my secrets in one bag. Mm-mm. They spread out. Right. It's a trust thing. <laughs> it's a trust thing because you mm-hmm. never know if someone would turn on you. Actually, do you think you have someone or some people in your life that you can just be completely raw and real, like with that has been there throughout the longest time? Yes, and it's probably no surprise that it's you. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, honestly, you said it earlier. Like, um, we've known each other for quite a few many years. If it, for real, for real, if they want me, they need to come get you. Because (laughs) you know all the secrets, all the tea, um, I would say, besides besides you. Um, my oldest sister, I'm very close to. I call, she's like my first call for like everything, you yeah. know. Um, and um, I have a wonderful girlfriend who's also like my BFF. Um, and all of us, even I mean, with she, yeah, you know. Oh. <laughs> I think she's pretty wonderful. <laughs> but you know, you and I have been through a lot of things. We also don't always see eye to eye, but what I love about true unconditional love and friendship it's like people say they want that but rarely are they willing to be that and I feel like I've gotten that from you and it's made me strive to be a better friend and be that to you 
because yeah like no matter what you know is no matter no matter what it's always been no matter what and that is so important to me and I think it's important for everyone to have because no one there's so many people out here alone and feeling alone and you know we all you never know just smiling at someone down the street or giving them compliment or you know holding a door like just little things to show people love who might not be fortunate enough to have a pray tell or a blanca in their life no i feel that i think that um the one theme that this show really does do a really good job of portraying is family Mm -hmm. and your chosen family i love the very very last scene um from part two of the series finale when um when Blanca, she's now stepping into that. I think it was like full circle that mm-hmm. Blanca was the one telling people now you have it, you don't have it. Mm-hmm. But it was different because she's she's living it and she's able to be that beacon of light. And, yes. I, and I think that it was very like touching, like having like with Ricky being the new father and having like that last, you know, ball with the, the brand new children and then having like Electra, um, sorry, Blanca being like the grandmother now. Yes. And then you having, um, you know, that, you know, that girl show up at the very end. And she's like, we're your family now. And yes. I think for me, like the biggest joy that I get out of life is my chosen family. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I don't really have friends. I have family. Actually, that's a line from like one of the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> But it's it's for real. Like I don't have too many friends. I have family, um, and I think that I I love the fact that they they show that they show the you know we we're there for each other. We have gone through so much stuff throughout the many years. We have fought. We have cried. We have lost. But the one thing that we're always here for is family and even thinking about with the suitcase in season three mm-hmm. when you know Electra was in jail oh, and yeah. you know Blanca called Poppy and Ricky and was like we're family we need to handle this and, and Poppy got it and was like okay no matter what it is I got you mm-hmm. and I think that that's something that you know Electra started but I think Blanca definitely took it and blossomed it and really ingrained it inside of her children mm-hmm. so that way the future Evangelistas which I'm a part of you know, you know they don't they don't know that yet I'm a, <laughs> evangelista but um it's like you know family is always first and i think that with the ballroom scene i'm not too familiar with it um i'm learning a lot from pose and also like shows like legendary which is on the hbo max um you know i i'm learning a lot about you know the ballroom scene and the biggest thing is family and i, I kind of liked how they dealt with even that subject with like the beginning of season three with Lamar, um, you know, he's he was a house father and like he's more about the the kiki and the cash and like the the glitz and the glamour of it. And Blanca is like, no, like ballroom is about family. Yeah. Ballroom is about being able to celebrate and be be someone you're not able to be out there in the real world. And I think that the fact that they were able to show that, and I think that what makes that's what makes polls like really relatable. No matter if you're part of the community or not, mm-hmm. um, you're able to relate to it. That's why my friend, who is cis and straight, was able to. I love this show because mm. he was able to relate to it because right. of the family and because of the themes that they had behind it. So, I think that's really amazing. I think that um, polls, um, like I said, I wish they had more seasons. But any y'all have any final thoughts about polls? 
wait a minute. You know we got to handle this dig, the Sex and the City dig at the end. Oh, Listen, yeah. like, I, come on. I, I'm a fan of Sex and the City, too. But, you know, they... And let's let's talk about it for a second because they they showed did called them out and was like I don't have to be this white woman in New York to also get everything that I want. So no, I, I think it truly starts with the visual. Like they started that scene with the walk with the two and then the three and then mm-hmm. the four. And it's like that is iconic Sex in the City. When I tell you obsessed, there are several series I've watched a hundred times over and will watch a hundred times again, no matter how white they may or may not be. Right. Sex in the City was fucking amazing. It was <laughs> iconic and it's definitely shifted and shaped who I am as a fashionista and as a gay man. So, plain and simple, amazing show, but I loved that they gave us that visual and then basically yeah. shat on them. <laughs> oh, no. No, I agree. I think that America in general, like commercially, has kind of tried to set that as the standard. Right. And um, I think it's very important to see those barriers being broken and to see, you know, just the whole setting that they were in, in a nice dining, uh, you know, a nice dining establishment and her even going as far as, you know what, I don't want that Cosmo. Give me Johnny Walker, mm-hmm. blue label if you have it <laughs> and bring it for a ra- for four rounds you know what i mean and so i love that because it just kind of shows people like no matter what color where you're from what your race is what your what how you identify you deserve to have a seat at the table and you are good enough and you you know your money is just as good you know what i mean and so my my final thoughts on the whole thing was just how it was beautifully done it was Mm -hmm. something that in in every single episode you could take something from no matter what where you are in your walk of life whether you're a part of the community or not and i i it you know it taught me a lot of lessons about how i personally treat people how i interact with people um you know it's taught me um definitely more about the trans community specifically yes and how important their that identity is to them feeling you know like they they belong somewhere um i want to i want a house right i want a house you know but yeah i i overall i loved it i think it was very necessary i you all can correct me if i'm wrong but i don't know another series that has shown that aspect of life in such a real raw way and I think that also might be another thing that that may cut the series a little short because I don't know if people are really ready they're ready for it but I don't think they feel ready for it they you know some people don't still unfortunately don't want to have these conversations and so I just I'm I'm excited to see what comes from that and how we continue to break those barriers and have people in the community be have leading roles and tell their stories. Right. And I hope that every every person involved is able to get work. For because sure. That's the one thing when you have iconic TV shows, um, especially when you get, you know, familiar with the person as being a specific character, they're not able to find the adequate work. And I think out of everyone in the show, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the person who's worked the most is the one who played Candy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, I feel like she's worked the most mm-hmm. 
Um, I know that Dom Dominique, the mother Electra, is in a few other things, but I've seen um, Angelica Ross in the most stuff outside of Pose. So I would love to see uh, Miss MJ Rodriguez, and I would love to see, you know, you know, a Poppy or you know, actually no. Uh, uh, Angel's been in a few stuff too. Okay. Angel was okay. in Queen and Slim. Angel's mm, actually yeah. in the new. Oh, wow. um, um, they're doing another Escape movie, and Angel's a part of that as well. Oh, um, so okay. yeah, I saw the trailer. and I was like, Oh, come on, yes. Miss Angel, here he is. <laughs> yes. um, but Iman, if you can actually say anything to any of the creators or the the cast of Pose as far as like final thoughts or your takeaway from the show, what would you say? Um, when they do a spinoff, I can send my email so I can be a part. <laughs> I just love to be a part of the show. It was just, it was fabulous. It was tastefully done. Even though I would have loved to have another season. Well, yeah, like one more season. How they ended it with what they did with it right. in the amount of time was beautiful. It's just Blanca walking away at the end. It's just like, you know what I'm saying? You want to see more. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. Yeah. That, oh. that, brain, <laughs> that brain made no sense. I think that sometimes um, ending on a good note is the, the way, mm -hmm. as much as I want more, you don't want it to become dead. Right. Um, and like even going back to Glee, I love Glee. Um, I don't remember much of the fifth and sixth season. I did watch all the way to the end. Um, the Iconics was the first three seasons for me. Um, I think that one went in a different direction because of a few different things, but I'm just bringing it up for the fact that, you know, you want to end on a high and you do want people wanting more. Mm -hmm. um, Jay, if you had the opportunity to say anything to any of the cast members or creators of Pose or how Pose has truly impacted you or your takeaways, what would you say? Keep shedding light on stories that we're not hearing often enough. As a black man that's a part of the LGBTQIA community, it is so hard to see beautifully done mainstream work that I can relate to. I do not watch TV. I selectively stream here, there, and whatnot, and most of what I'm watching is fantasy because there is no one on the screen looking like me or with a story or narrative that touches me. Mm -hmm. And Ryan Murphy, throughout so many shows, not just... Glee and not just Pose, American Horror Story, um, his involvement with Hollywood, like all of these narratives that are giving me such beautiful work about people that have not been talked about, keep doing it. Yeah. We are going to watch it. You are going to make money off of it, Hollywood. So <laughs> please, right. please keep making it because without it, I ain't going to watch nothing else. Mm -hmm. Right. I actually did an episode recently entitled The Wonderful World of Ryan Murphy mm -hmm. uh, where Ooh. I talked about all the different things that he's been a part of because he actually has a very, very big library of content that a lot of us, we do know, a lot of us don't know about some of the stuff and also some of the stuff that is coming down the pipeline as well. So Ryan Murphy, if you ever get the chance of listening to the movie Bugle, um, we commend you for your tremendous contribution to the community and society as well. But I would say for me, uh, if I could just say anything to the cast and crew of Pose, I would just say thank you um, for your vulnerability, for your truth. Um, it's not easy working in a space. Well, to um, it's not easy working in a space where you have to be vulnerable. Um, I'm thinking about even uh, Billy Porter playing a character who's HIV positive, 
where he himself is also HIV positive. Mm. And having found that out, you know, I think it was like 10 years ago. And even with this last season with him passing away from that illness, mm. that's a whole nother level of, you know, not just acting, but you like really processing, you know, that because this is a, it could be a storyline of your future and not, mm-hmm. I'm not speaking that over him, but I know he's thought about that in his head where, you know, if I didn't, you know, catch it in time mm-hmm. or if I didn't X, Y, Z, if I didn't, didn't do this, you know, pray tell's future or ending could be my ending. Right. Um, so that's another layer of, you know, stress that he probably had to go through as well. But he did it with such grace where if he never would have said it, none of us mm-hmm. would have known. We just would have thought that, oh, he was, he played the hell out of Pray Tell. Mm-hmm. But it's, it just makes it so much more grounding. So I think that Jay was right. Tell the stories that we need to see. Have those difficult conversations. I think sometimes when you, when you watch a difficult scene or when you watch a difficult story unfold in front of you, as hard as it may be, it's the conversation that comes after it right. that um, is needed. You know, um, movies and TV shows have a way of showing art and having a way of showing reality. And um, I think that it's a it's a beautiful expression of showing, hey, this is what another perspective, a uh, person's perspective is. You know, I often say that if you grow up in a town with 100 people and all you know is one plus one is two, you'll never know that one times one is is one or you'll never know these different ways you'll never know all you know is your truth and not to say your truth is wrong but there's other perspectives out there and i'm so happy that you have a group of people who was able to take on the mantle of portraying these different characters like candy and lulu and blanca Mm -hmm. and ricky and damon and electra you know and pray tell you know on this on angel and poppy on screen and telling it in such a beautiful way that even though we wanted more right it left us satisfied. It left mm-hmm. us happy. It left us, you know, smiling at the end. And I, right. I think that that's the thing that I want. You know, Pose to me is going to be one of those few TV shows where you look back and oh, that was a great show. <laughs> yes. yes. Not one of those, you know, I loved it, but that last season was horrible. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, no tea, no shade. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I just say thank you to the cast. I say thank you to the creators and everyone a part of it for Pose. And we are eagerly looking for y'all's next endeavors and adventures. Because I'm pretty sure we're all going to be watching. For sure. But um, I just wanted to give a special shout out to everyone. Uh, Ashley, Jane, Iman for joining me on the Movie Bugle again. Thank Ashley, where can we follow you on social media? Oh, you can follow me on all social media um, at Ashley Marie Music US. Okay. Iman, what about you? Um, you can follow me on Instagram, Emi underscore Steez. And Mr. J, I know that at this current moment, um, you're taking a step back, but you know, you do have some music and some other uh Jay is a wonderful artist here in LA and um look out for his music. But where can we find anything about you online, Jay? Um so any at J Mac music and that's J A Y M A Q. And that's music with a Q. Come on, music with a Q. Yeah. You can definitely follow me at the Movie Bugle. And until next time, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.